All right, today we're going to take a dive into the light and airy and fluffy end of the real estate world. We're going to be talking about death, taxes, and legacy planning. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. I think I'm bringing out every episode, kind of the intro to every episode. They they're all sound the same, I think. You know, there might be something to it about having a little bit of a consistency in the message, consistency in the process. Anyways, first and foremost, I'm going to tell you this right up front. Um, this episode will be coming out probably a day later than normal. I wanted to wait until the Bank of Canada had their their whole song and dance. Okay, so they today, the Bank of Canada had their interest rate announcement, and I wanted to wait for that announcement to come out before I recorded this episode, the intro, and then bring it out. It'll probably come out a day, a day later. Um, but this was an episode that I had a, a wonderful opportunity to connect with George Doobie, um, and it was a couple weeks ago now, it's probably maybe about three or four weeks ago. And we had a wonderful time. First and foremost, I hadn't had a chance to connect with George in, in quite a few, quite a few months. And we spent a good part of the time just really just connecting and it had been wonderful. And it uh, completely warmed my heart to see George again online. And we had the, a wonderful conversation and, uh, it was really good. And you're about to hear this amazing conversation that George and I had as well. You get to be a a fly on the shoulder of two people that have, you know, more than, you know, between the two of us, probably close to 50 years of experience in this game of real estate. George is a fantastic wealth of knowledge and in, in, uh, information on tax and planning and uh, on accounting, bookkeeping, real estate knowledge, all kind of wonderful stuff like that. And we dove a little bit back into George's backstory um, but we also talked an awful lot about what real estate investors are. It's important to real estate investors, and that's planning your legacy. That is, you know, putting together a rock-solid plan for your future and a rock-solid plan to be able to have, um, you know, I, I would imagine everybody who's listening to this episode or listening to my podcast in some way, shape, or form has some kind of a aspiration or desire for financial freedom, has some kind of aspiration for becoming a, a real estate investor, whether it's on part-time hobby and wealth creation or holding your wealth or into a full-on business and a full-on um, income replacement strategy. You have a goal and you have a plan and that's probably what you're listening to this podcast for. And that's one of the things that George and I had a wonderful dive into. We talked an awful lot about stories. We talked an awful lot about some of the challenges people face. We talked an awful lot about, you know, legacy building, the the what ifs. We talked about some topics that, um, you know, I made the joke that it was light and fluffy and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they're topics that you need to have conversations around. Um, you know, about what happens if, you know, your your partner comes down with cancer? What happens if, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're dying? What happens if... Um, you know, your plan doesn't come together or what happens if, you know, some some really challenging times hit and what happens along the way? How do you prepare for life's inevitable ups and downs, life's inevitable inevitable 
challenges. How do you prepare for all of these things? Okay. Now, speaking of all that, we just recently had the Bank of Canada as to no one's surprise, everybody, I think it was, what was the report? 20 out of 24 economists were predicting that the Bank of Canada was raising another quarter point in July and the next rate increase uh, announcement, not increase, the next rate announcement is going to happen in September. So, so gang, first and foremost, you now have, uh, you know, almost a better part of a, a month or six weeks or almost two months of just, you know, <laughs> it's calm. Let's calm down. First and foremost is just all take, take a big, giant, deep breath. And I'm also not going to be that guy that's going to sit there and go, well, I remember when interest rates were 27% back in the 80s. And <laughs> I'm not going to say any of those kind of things. Anytime the interest rates go up, it sucks. It really does. It, it you know, it's like, um, you know, somebody said, you know, it's it's like a kick in the stomach. You know, in some cases, I 100% agree, it's a kick in the stomach, but it also might be a kick uh, maybe a little bit further south as well. So here's the thing, gang. Um, whether the increase was right or wrong, I'm not going to make a comment on that. You probably know which direction I think it was. Um, it's irrelevant to what I, to personally, what I think it is, if it was right or wrong. And to be honest for you as a real estate investor, it should be, it's relevant, but it also should be irrelevant. Why is it irrelevant? It's happened. It's, it's, it's happened. It's done. It's been announced. It's happening. You now need, you now know what the new interest rates are. You now need to govern yourself accordingly. You need to now make decisions based upon this new bit of information. I've already have started implementing decisions based upon some changes that have happened in the interest rate. For example, I held off on a, on a couple rental increases that I was about to give in, uh, give to my tenants. And I said, just, just let me, let's wait until the, the Bank of Canada announcement comes out. And then I'll make my decision after that. And unfortunate, maybe unfortunate for the tenants, a little bit is um, we're going at least another twenty-five to fifty dollars higher than what we were planning to do a week ago, because of the the change in interest rates. So we need to govern ourselves accordingly, based upon this new information and based upon the decisions that were made. We need to now make our decisions with what to do. Okay. So here's the thing: is all those things, you know, and I had a couple conversations just recently with some people and, and, and it kind of, I'm not going to give all the details of all those conversations, but I'll give you a couple of the, the gist of the conversation and the direction that it was kind of going was, um, here's the thing is sometimes you can only control what you can control. You can't control, um, the mortgage market. You can't control what the interest rates are doing. You can control the decisions you make uh, from it. You can control how you uh, react to it. You can control um, your intention. You can control your resolve. You can control how committed you are to your process. You can control um, a lot of the the next steps you're going to to take in this market and conditions. You can control the next properties that you're about to buy. You're, you can control many things. The interest rates are not one of those things at the moment. But what you do is you pivot and you make decisions based upon um, 
what has been given to you. Now, uh, a famous quote came to me uh, fairly recent again, and, you know, everybody wishes, here, here's the thing. One of the great paradoxes of life is as follows, is that you need challenging times. You need uncertainty. You need to become uncomfortable. You need to be stretched. You need to um, lose. You need to lose in order for you to eventually win. That's one of the greatest paradoxes out there in life. Everybody wants things easy. Everybody, including myself, don't get me wrong, I, I would love for things to just be smooth and calm sailing every single day. But it, we all know that if everything came to you easy, if you never had to work for something, if you never took a big giant loss on things, if you've never completely, you know, pooped the bed, for lack of a better term, if you've never did any of this kind of stuff, life would be pretty boring. Life would be too easy. You would never take it for granted. You would never put in the work. So one of the greatest paradoxes in life is you need challenge. You need to stretch yourself. You need to be uncomfortable. You need to lose, and you need all those things to be uncomfortable and challenge and strong headwinds in order for you to build the strength, in order for you to win, in order for you to prove that this can be done. So that is one of the biggest paradoxes in life, is you need to lose in order for you to win. And it reminds me of the wonderful quote that I love from Jim Rohn. And it was, you know, Jim Rohn, the, the first mentor of Tony Robbins, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenges, wish for more wisdom. I kind of like that. That it speaks to that paradox that I just shared in very clear terms. So gang, here's a, a conversation that I'm going to have with you as my audience for my podcast is, you know, I don't have an attachment if these interest rate hikes have made it um, not worthwhile for you to, to hang on to a property, or maybe you have to sell a property, or maybe you, something just isn't working and you have to, you know, you know, sell a property or two. Like that's one of the conversations I just had with somebody just with a, a day or a day. Yeah, it was two days ago now was they were asking the question is they felt really bad. I go, maybe we have to sell a place. And I said, you know what? I don't have an attachment that you're selling. Um, and then they came out and they were saying, well, we're probably going to be end up selling everything. And they're going to sell all these, all the hard work they put in to acquire these places over the past couple of years now have turned, they have now turned negative. They have now turned negative cash flow on, on, on the portfolio. Um, very real. It is, I'm not here to say that they did anything wrong. As a matter of fact, they, they did a lot of things on, they did everything right based upon the, at that time. It's just now during this current rate cycle, it has turned negative for them. I encourage them to really take a look at everything. Like I, I did a, a podcast episode, episode number 133, and it was talking about Here's all the things you can do during a rising interest rate environment. Here's how you can get more income. Here's how you can lower your expenses. Here's how you can re-jig your, your portfolio on, on how to do how to how to mitigate the the and mitigate that'd be a good word offset offset the rising interest rates and how to get more cash flow from your property to help um, offset some of the the negative cash flow that you're maybe 
doing. So, so back to this couple and we were, you know, I was going through and we were going through everything. We like no stone unturned, like the budget, the increases, you know, the tenants in, in the different places. Are you maximizing what you can do for rental? Are you minimizing your expenses? Have you optimized your, your amortizations? Have you done all these kinds of things? And they were coming down and they were the decision that they had come to, um, which, you know, whether it's right or wrong, um, that that's their decision, 100% their decision. But they were talking about selling everything and just uh, getting out, you know, throwing in a towel in essence. And I said, you know, I, I don't have that, you know, here's the, the conversation I have with them is that very well might be the answer. It might be. I, I can't tell you what you should do. But here's the question that I would ask you is, do you, are you still committed to your goals? Are you still committed to your vision board that you put together? Are you still committed to the contribution that you want to have to others? Are you still committed to your children? Are you still have your goals and the kids still need to be put through school and you still have your vision and your long-term plan of financial freedom? You still have your wealth targets and goals. Are you still committed to that? That was the question I, I, I started with. And it came down to is 100% they were 100% they were committed. I go, okay, so you're 100% you're committed to that. The next question that I would ask you is, if you are planning to completely sell all your real estate, what is your plan? What is the plan? Do you have a next thought process? Do you have a next option? What are you planning to do? Because your goals haven't shifted. You still have those aspirations. You still have those plans. You still have to put, you know, the kids through universities or school. You still have all those plans. What's your plan if you're going to pack it in on real estate? And I didn't get pushed. I didn't push to get an answer there. I had to, I, I said, let me give you some time to think about that. Because if you don't have the plan of what is next and you're just packing it in and selling all your real estate off, um, that might not be the best answer. That might be a knee-jerk response to something, to a stimulus that just happened. So here's the thing I'm going to leave with everybody here before we dive into this. And this is some stuff that George and I also talked about in this episode, is if you do need to sell a property or get out or things like that, make sure you're not quitting. Make sure you're optimizing, maybe you're taking a step back to take 10 steps forward, make sure you're not throwing in the towel and giving up because truly the only way that this can fail over a long period of time is if you quit and if you give up. And I know you guys are not listening to this podcast for all these many episodes and all these many months to just kind of dabble in something. And when the times get a little rough and the road gets a little bit bumpy and the headwinds get a little bit strong and in your face, I know you are not throwing the towel in and you're not quitting. And just like Jim Rohn, that quote that we talked about, don't wish it was easy, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. 
Don't wish for less challenges. Wish for more wisdom. Gang, this too shall pass. I have seen this in 25 years of doing this business. Um, interest rates go up. Interest rates go down. Interest rates go flat. Bottom line, interest rates are an external third-party force and a government body does not dictate my financial future. A government body does not mandate what I have in my heart of what I can accomplish. A government body, nobody is coming to save you guys. This is 100% on you, 100% your responsibility. Take action, grab the bull by the horns, ride out this storm because you've got this. All right, gang. So I'm going to jump off my soapbox here a little bit. I, you know what? I had to, to be honest, I had to give myself a little pep talk myself too on this. I am at 100%. I'm alongside of you on this journey. I feel the interest rates no different than you do. It 100% sucks. It 100% has an impact. I went through it and I go, well, that was silly when I read that. And I go, that's, oh, what, you know, to be honest, here's my answer. I go, you know what? That's what was expected. Um, I already had plans in place about what I was going to do. It is what it is. And now let's just get after it. What are the decisions? What are the next plans? What are the next things we're doing? What are the next projects we're looking at? Let's stress test our portfolio. What's one of the things we're doing with the new purchases we're doing right now? Is And, and here's the thing. Is I'm looking at these properties that I'm looking at right now. And I'm going, okay, based upon the numbers I'm looking at, they're still working at the interest rates that are current interest rates, which I would say would be on the high side, on the high side of the cycle, and at the rents, which I would believe are low at the moment. So just imagine what's going to happen um, if interest rates start coming down and rents start going up again in these marketplaces and some of the marketplaces even go up even more. This is going to be, these are going to be very good. So I'm analyzing the deals at what I would call almost a worst case scenario. High interest rates, lower rents. What could happen? So if they work at that, just imagine what will happen if the conditions change a little bit. Okay, gang? You got this. You truly do. And you're going to love this conversation with uh, George and myself. We go really deep into the, the <laughs> we wade deep into the pool about taxes and financial planning. And the one thing we really, that I really got out of this too, and maybe it's just because, you know, maybe the age I'm getting and, and things like that is um, talking about legacy planning. That really impacted me of the conversation that George and I had on, on this episode. So I think you're going to thoroughly love it. And please, if you got a lot of value from this, please leave some feedback. And most importantly, share the show. If you share this episode because it made an impact or something said on here really touched you or really resonated with you, share it with somebody. That would be the greatest compliment you can provide is just sharing some good information and sharing a good message with a, another good group of people. Okay, gang, make sure you stick around right to the very end. Have a message for you there as well. But until then, let's just get right after it. Please help me welcome Mr. George Duby. Hey, 
Hey, George Duby, how are you doing today, my friend? Welcome. I am to doing hell. awesome. Oh, Thank yeah, you. We, we we jumped over there each other a little bit there, George. You, we're yeah. so excited to talk. It's been so many years. <laughs> First and foremost, George, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Russell. It's looking been, forward to this. How many years has it been? You know, it's been, jeez, I would bet it's been probably five or six years since we probably have had a... For, for sure, pre-COVID, right? Yeah. And, um, but it, it's been a bit. Yeah, it's like, is there anything else before COVID? Like, you know, when the world shut Seems down for... Seems to evaporate, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know some days what year it is. Like, when did we do that? We wrote Niagara Falls. What year was that? Well, jeez, uh, that would have been, what, 2018. Really? <laughs> it was that long ago? <laughs> so, uh, George, it was, um, first and foremost, uh, I, I know when I first reached out to you, it was a few months ago and it was right during, you know, tax time and, and, right, and, right. and it, uh, stupid me of sitting there going, George, would you like to do a podcast? And you came back and said, uh, Russ, you do know it's tax time. <laughs> How's 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 June? And I go, I, I go understood. So I, I'm honored that you have the time uh, for us to catch up and have this conversation today. I, I, again, I've been looking forward to this for a while. It's just uh, we do have certain realities with uh, our, our calendars that are, are hard to be back when Revenue Canada has the whip in their hand. Yeah. Now. I don't know if it was you that told me or if maybe it was another accountant that told me, um, especially in the tax ones that are really their practices focus around tax. It's like a, a statistically significant statistic. I guess that's the Department of Redundancy Department there that a lot of accountants have children born nine months at the after the end of, <laughs> of the end of tax season, typically. That didn't come from me, okay. uh, to my recollection. So that would be um, what, so be April, so it would be April, May, you know, going backwards, April, yeah. March, Feb, like February, January, or any of your kids yeah, in, in that? in fairness, my son's born in January. <laughs> <laughs> there, so there you go. You, 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 you proved my point, I guess, a little bit there. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it might have been somebody that said that, you know, like it is such a, a time pressure. It's such a time crunch. It's just, you know, one of those things that uh, it's life, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. and, and it's one of those things that we have to do. And a lot of people's calendars revolve around their tax planning as well. Right. It, it, it is. It's, we can complain about it. We can do this, we can do that, but it's not changing. So um, we live with it. And obviously as an accountant, that's part of, our lifestyle, really. Yeah. Or or we could be down in the States where they're hiring. Aren't they, wasn't it something I read that they're hiring a whole bunch of more IRS agents and they're they're actually getting them to bear arms and they're getting them in firearm training? <laughs> it's like, Wait, that, that's been, as I understand it, and I do not pretend to be a U.S. tax expert in the slightest, but um, it's certainly been my understanding for quite a number of years that that uh, was exactly the case. Yeah, that, that's the last and, thing I want is my IR, my tax collector person a pack and eat if you will right, right. <laughs> yeah that, that uh, leads to all sorts of images that are not exactly soothing yes and that that'll go down a different conversation topic there <laughs> in and of itself um okay so i i've got a an entire list of questions that i want to ask but at the same time I'm, I'm more importantly want to have a conversation, right? It's one of these things is I don't want to grill you and interview you and stuff like that. I just, you know, it's two, two friends having, uh, you know, having a 
big giant glass of, of water. This is my Father's Day present. My kids gave me a big giant oh, nice. Yeti. It's like yeah. a, a liter. So it's like, they right. obviously told me I need to drink more water. <laughs> um, but I, I just want to have a conversation and catch up first. And I do have some some questions because I know how knowledgeable you are on a lot of things real estate. And I'm a firm believer is always go to the experts and let the experts tell you what you don't know. Because, you know, as real estate investors, we can't know everything. That's why we have a team. That's why we have experts, experts, advisors, expert counsel, expert people that can know more than we know about certain things. And that's what I would consider you to be as part of that, part of that team. Uh, first and foremost, um, for people that might not know you, what, fill us in a little bit of the backstory about George Duby. Where, how you kind of got your your start into this whole world of of uh, real estate investing, also within the world of accounting within real estate investing, and and, and I'm also going to f- frame this as you're not a typical uh, accountant, a typical tax planner. You're, and I'm going to make some enemies with this next comment. I'm going to make. I'm going to make some enemies, <laughs> but 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 you're an accountant with a personality. Right. Thank you. And and you have some flair and, and you you push the envelope with your social media and you're looking sharp. You got the bow tie like you, you, you got the shtick going, if you will. Right. You got the marketing angle going at the same time. And you more importantly and sorry, most importantly, you know your stuff. That's the yes. most important. But what's the backstory? What's the backstory, of George Duby, and how you got going in this whole game? Probably similar to many stories. Quite frankly, it was an accident. And uh, quite a number of years ago, I was sick as a dog, laying on a couch, and watched. And, and, and again, I can't read. I'm, my head's spinning. Whatever it is, and I watch one of these late night infomercials explaining how I will be the next uh, wealthy tycoon if I only take the weekend course, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I'm feeling better later the in the week. On the weekend, I pop into my office and I make, and to clarify, my office, a rented office, and I take the boardroom table and I make two piles. On one end is a pile of those clients in the real estate side that were making money, the other end of the table, losing money. And I start studying and I go over to whatever the bookstore was called at the time. And I spend several thousand dollars in real estate oriented, whether that was tax, legal, investment, investing strategy. Just if I could find a real estate book, I probably bought it that day. And um, I start studying, uh, studying online, starting to go to uh, different uh, meetup groups, if you will. And learning about real estate because kind of my impression was that in tax 101, you're sort of taught something to the effect of thou shalt not invest in real estate. And certainly thou shalt not use a corporation for that. And so why do all these other people seem to be so successful? Why do these people seem unsuccessful? And and that was really the start of that portion of it, which then got kickstarted very, very shortly thereafter with, I needed more space because I was subleasing from another accountant and he was growing. I was growing. I was subleasing. So guess who was moving? (laughs) And uh, and quite frankly, I couldn't afford um, at that point in the game 
a, a separate building, but I was determined I do not want to be in a, a rental situation again. And making a long story short, I or shorter, I guess I can't make story short, but um, I, I had a uh, an agreement with my brother-in-law who was looking for a place to live. And we said, okay, I am going to, we ended up buying uh, basically a three-story building where ground floor we used as an accounting firm, uh, second floor for him and his wife. And then there was a, a walk-up attic that we were using for miscellaneous accounting firm, bury stuff upstairs type of thing. And we had the agreement that in two years' time, um, he would leave and find a different place for a personal residence, and the accounting firm would take that over. And we were growing, and anyway, a year later, he had to leave. <laughs> um, and then we ended up buying... Um, it was uh, five um, properties that we ended up condoing. And then we bought this property and then we brought that property. We started seeing, wait a minute, if we could get into it, fix them up a little bit, that tremendous ups kick we had in terms of the value of the property. And if you could do it once, you can do it twice. And if you can do it two times, you can do it four times. And then I was hooked. Wow. So you, so you, your story isn't as an, an accidental landlord, but an accidental landlord that just needed to just house a growing business. So you were buying your own commercial spaces. You were just paying yourself the rent in, in essence over, over the years. But I, I do not know that I would have ever started without really trying to crack this code of why should you invest in real estate? Because I think I would have probably just continued to be in a leasing situation. I would have just tried to perhaps lease more space, for example. Yep. So I, I would imagine you've been, you, you got trained in, in accounting. Like, what's your background? Like, you, you did get trained. Did you start right out of university kind of thing? How did you get into, into the discipline of accounting? Accounting for me was actually started in high school. And we are, are you a, about to say your lemonade stand and your paper route and you were you were doing the books for everybody and you had an abacus and all and you had the little visor hat close. and all that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I had, uh, I guess, a luxury of a, a personal friend of the family who had his own small accounting practice in the little town we grew up in. And as, as well... My dad was a, a manager at uh, a particular business, good friends with the controller of the company. And I was around accountants a, a fair bit. And what I, one of the things I realized was that I liked business, but I was going to get bored if I was in one business or my business. Being an accountant allowed me to sample and be involved in different scenarios. Originally, I thought I was going to be captain debits and credit because I had, uh, again, we had the uh, in a little high school, making a long story shorter. They had a really, really super duper at the time um, software package that was given to them by the, the software makers, intended for all the students, et cetera, et cetera, but nobody knew how to use it or teach with it or anything of that nature. So they gave it to me. And I, over the summer, as I recall, I started learning how to use this program that I could never have remotely afforded as a, 
high school student. I, I don't know what today's value would have. I, at the time, I think I'm throwing a number out, but I really don't recall. Um, I, I think the package was in what would have been 19. Ooh, that goes back a few years. Um, say eighty-seven dollars, about about a fifteen thousand dollar package, which for a high school student, let alone somebody today, was a little bit of money. Yep. What was that? What, what was that program? It was called ACPAC. Of course, yes. <laughs> and um, and again, it was something where I just started playing and trying to understand and and take what I was learning in high school for accounting courses but say, here's my fictional business here's my lemonade stand and what happens in your lemonade stand if you get too much inventory what happens if you do this what happens if you do that so that i was starting to understand practically speaking how these different accounts tied in and what happened what were my consequences as compared to being tested on can you balance a ledger do this or do that which is important but I wasn't learning about how to apply it to a real business. Wow. So so you legitimately, not only just, you didn't just come into it, this as a profession and, 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 a, and an education and a training. You were, in many respects, this is what you were born to do in many, many, like you literally got deep into the science and the theory. And I imagine you probably study this kind of stuff too in growing up. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there'll be a lot of people that would disagree with me. I think I went to the best university in the country at the time. And That's the University uh, I, of Saskatchewan, right? In, it was very close. Oh, very, very good. Close. Very good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately beside that was called the University of Waterloo. Of, oh, wow. That's and, a, uh, close, a close second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but more seriously, at the time, it had, at least for Ontario, um, the only program, and I believe at the time it was the only program in the country with the exception of McGill, where we could go and take their master's program and bypass a variety of professional requirements and jump to the final exam. And, and, and so using that as the measuring stick, I said, that must be the best there is. I can't speak French, so that determines I am going to Waterloo. And uh, I, I was uh, accepted, uh, did very well there. I didn't realize I was a tax person until co-op. And uh, kind of fell in love with tax. I had tried the debits and credits, and I'm grateful for those experiences. I, I tried to, f the nice thing was I had an excellent co-op placement where I could try different things. I could experiment. I could fail. I could succeed. But I liked the tax side of things. And from there, that got me going. And again, at the time, it was more, it was in Windsor. So it was, it was definitely more of a manufacturing background but as well some real estate. I didn't really fall in love with real estate at that point. It, not that I minded it, but quite honestly, I like kind of playing with some of the manufacturing where uh, we would do inventory accounts to make sure the books were good. And I liked playing in the wherever, whoever had a defense contract, for example, because I had to see the, what was going on there. And, yep. Okay, so that's fun to do. And but the real estate just it didn't come for a little bit later yeah. admittedly wow and and see see gang that's that's why I I wanted to talk to George and that's why he he has um a successful practice with lots of clientele is that you you love this work now i i'm going to give you another side of the coin here i graduated with a bachelor of commerce out of the university of saskatchewan um <laughs> 
I could not, I honestly, I just know thyself. I could not sit through an accounting class. I honestly, it was one of those things that it was just like, I, and, and I'm no, there's no slight. As a matter of fact, I have such great respect for people that can. I just could not do it. I just could not do it. I, I gravitated towards more the, uh, the finance, the op, the OB, the op, organizational behavior. I graduated uh, into more of that HR side, people side, stuff like that, a little right. bit more. Um, but I just couldn't do the accounting. <laughs> I just couldn't. So that's why you find an expert like George on your team to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And if we were all good at the same thing, that would be fairly useless. And yeah. I, I, I am, I, I think awesome at what I do. Um, not perfect, but awesome. Yep. But that also means there's a gazillion things I'm not very good at. Yeah. And and one of the things you also do too, is you're, you're part of, now it's been a while and I could get this wrong, but I remember you were saying you were part of the, I might get the terminology wrong, but you're part of the steering committee of a lot of kind of policy changes within CRA. Do you still do that kind of advocacy advocacy work? I, I, I do not at this point in time. So when I joined uh, BDO, I had to give up uh, one my position with our professional body because it was geared to small practitioners. And as a, an international accounting firm, that didn't quite uh, fit the bill. Um, but I, I'd also spent by that time, I, I don't know the exact time frame, but um, say six years or whatever, kind of in that role, and it was time to move on. Yep. And then with the the, the CRA uh, role that you suggested or, or, or mentioned there, you're absolutely right. To, we were doing that. And, and then there came a time where there were budget cuts at Revenue Canada, quite frankly. And Revenue Canada stopped doing the program. There were some kind of some intermittent um, steps in there, but um, nothing that's really gone about in furthering that, um, at least at a, on a what I'll call a community level, right. um, locally. And maybe there's something there that I'm not aware of, but it it's certainly the, the programs that I was involved with. Again, it was, it was great to be part of in that we had the opportunity, I guess there were three of us, three, three of us, uh, as outsiders, um, representing our colleagues in the legal and accounting professions. And then the, we would have the head of audit that the head of this, the head of that at revenue Canada for, in this case, the Kitchener Waterloo region, and how else to get access to those individuals and, and, and have the opportunity to see as well becomes a shock to some people, but they have kids, they're humans, um, they're good people. Um, and, and trying to get into some of their frustrations, what they, the realities they have to deal with. Not that we always agreed with each other, but you can start to appreciate better, I think, maybe a good way of describing it. What's going on for them? Yep. You know, why they do certain things? Yeah, and and I, I imagine. Well, it, it's sad that they don't do that anymore. Reaching out to public practice of stuff would be very good for business to help understand and smooth over the waters. And the one thing I I have always respected about you, George, is um, you've always you've never been shy about taking a position on something and and defending it and whether yes. it it proves to be wrong or right and in, in interpretation that's literally when it comes to tax everything's an interpretation in many respects sure. right but i remember one time you it was uh it was about um i think the 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 topic was oh it was about um 
having like a masterminds and education programs. And when we both were part of the real estate investment network, people were having, well, can I have my rain membership dues be expense and stuff like that? And you, you took a very hard position on is like, you proved it. Here's the research. Here's the education. Here's everything you get from it. 100% this is necessary for you to do your job. And if revenue Canada wants to question me on it, here's my phone number. <laughs> Yeah, and, and made quite clear. Yeah, I was deducting it for sure. Yeah, I, I was happy to be the first test case. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, people, for the most part, I mean, I'm not going to distinguish my financial statements or my tax returns from any of other qualified individuals. There's lots of qualified folks across the country that can do that. Where I'm going to add my bang for the buck, though is how do the rules apply to you? Uh, what should you be doing today? And what should you be doing down the road to put yourself and your family, what's important to you, your legacy, into what you consider a better position? And uh, and again, not that I'm the only advisor that's capable of that. I don't want to suggest that in the slightest. But I'm also one of the top ones, in my opinion, not being able to do that. Yeah. And and I think it was you that once said this, I might be quoting something from you as well, is um, it stuck with me was don't let the tax tail wag the dog too, which a lot of people will sit there and make decisions of what to do, what not to do based upon tax. And, you know, you came out very clearly said, gang, let's not let the tax tail wag the dog here, do what's right for the business. Um, right. we'll figure the tax part out, uh, you know, and I'll give you an opinion. I'll give you an interpretation, but don't let the tax decision cloud the right decision for your business. Yeah. And, and I think we're trying to convey there that yes, tax is important. And yes, I'd like to see things figured out and kind of narrow things down so you can make an educated decision, but it's not always going to be the deciding factor at the end of the day. It's it's important, but not the only factor. Yeah, it's a factor. It's not the That's only right. factor. Is but a lot of people. It's amazing how a lot of people just fear the fear the tax right and fear an audit and fear those kind of things. Like, don't get me wrong. I've I've been through it and and I had some They're not fun. I had some god awful ugly ones. Like my the person I was working with told me in. 40 years of doing it, he's never seen somebody that was so much of a, I'm not going to swear, but so much of a, you know, blank hole yes. of, of doing stuff. And, and I could tell stories until the cows came home, but it was, it was not pleasant. But at the end of the day, at a worst case scenario, I had to clean up a whole bunch of systems. I had to clean up a whole bunch of things, how I was doing my record keeping, how I was doing things. It just really shone a light on some weaknesses in my process. And I had to clean all that up. We clawed a whole bunch back, but you know, mm -hmm. when they come out and they just before Christmas, they send you a letter that we're throwing out $278,000 of expenses. Uh, Merry Christmas. Get your attention. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Right. Yes. <laughs> so we managed to claw it back and I could tell a really in-depth story on that, but it's, uh, we lived and we survived. Right. And uh, we lived to battle another day. And there was, and it came down to is there were some hills that we were willing to die on, and there were some hills that we were just willing to just let go. And sure. that was, you know, let them have that one. But we're not going to die on this hill. We're gonna, we're gonna go, we're going to town on this one. But anyways, mm -hmm. I digress. Um, 
So, so suffice it to say, you're a real estate investor. If you don't mind me asking, what what kind of what does your portfolio kind of look like today? In in many respects of holdings and what kind of properties you have, residential, all commercial, mixture, both. What do you what do you kind of at? Yeah, so 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 now it's in terms of what I will call the traditional real estate. It is long term hold uh, residential, predominantly in more or less southern Ontario. Uh, commercial in the sense of self-storage, for example, uh, a few hundred units of uh, that in a few locations. Uh, private real estate equity, w- which is going to include BC, Alberta, United States, uh, Ontario, and um, second mortgages, promissory notes, things of that nature, short-term rentals. Um, so th- th- there's a handful. It's not what I would call ginormous, but it's also not a starter portfolio either. Well, I, I think you're being very humble here, by the way, too, George. And, and uh, but so, so suffice it to say, um, you're a real estate investor. Um, that sure. is an expert at tax and you have multiple other businesses. You both have direct ownership, plus you also have um, ownership through, um, I imagine through funds, through private lending, you, you're, you're, you're full on in the business. I, th- I think so. It's, and, and, and as, uh, my wife, Robin and I, as we get older, as our kids situation, our family situations change, we evolve as the economy changes. It, there's a, a variety of factors. I think that pop in there in terms of how that portfolio is evolving but it's it's not something that is going to what I'll call permanently shrink. It, it, we may sell right now. We're looking at selling uh, some of the properties, but it's not to say we're getting out of the market. It's to say it's being repositioned and uh, moving forward. Because even if Robin and I may not require it for retirement purposes, uh, we're trying to build a legacy yep. with. For kids, church, cancer society, all those things that are important to different people, then that's it for us as well. Yep. Now you're one of those professionals that you you eat what you cook, and you're also not one of those people that just pontificate of what somebody should be doing. You actually do this yourself, and and, and happy to share those yep. positive and negative experiences uh, with people. So that again, I'm not trying to pretend we did everything perfectly. But um, there's also no reason for people to make all the mistakes that you and I see people make all the time if we can help coach them through some components of that. Not that they're not going to still make some other mistakes or at times say, ah, Russell, George, you don't really don't know what I'm talk- you're talking about. I can do this, that, or that. And some people, it happens. But yeah. so that it's going to be decreased anyway. <laughs> those uh, silver salt and pepper in the beard uh, yes, have, yes. have, have come for a reason have, have been earned the, the old-fashioned way right <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> through, through time through time and battle right right, right. It, it, it's it's the reality to it yeah well you're looking fantastic by the way my friend thank you thank you um you. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, look at it, listen to us uh, uh, fishing, fishing for some for compliments yeah, for we, each we, other. We right? need all the help we can get. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, we, ha- I have a face for podcasting, by the way. So that's the <laughs> joke I make. Um, how are the family? How's the kids doing? How old are the kids now? I remember when we first when we first connected, we go almost back twenty years, almost now. Yeah, right? I, I mean, we really got started when my 
daughter was just barely out of diapers. She's now 22. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, the uh, and my son's 16. And, and so he's on his way to getting his driver's license. That's a, a primary focus of his right now. But both are involved in the, the real estate side as well. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. And my daughter, she well, actually, I guess with my son too now, they they own a couple of properties or portions of property. And just starting off, but that also helps keep them, well, wait a minute, how do, why do you do this? Why do you do that? And then they're watching dad and mom and then people around us in terms of what they're up to. And, and, and again, as, as they get older, clearly they can understand more and, and ask more detailed questions. And it's a lot of fun in that mentorship role, yeah. particularly, I, I mean, I love doing it with clients and friends, love it even far more with my own kids. Yeah. It, and it's so amazing on once you have that longer runway, when you're in your early twenties of, of having that, um, you know, I didn't get started to my thirties, which was still young at the time of right. that, but that extra five to seven years can make a huge it's difference huge. right, <laughs> on that runway as well. And if you can definitely get in when you're a little earlier in the process, um, your lovely wife, Robin, um, how is yes. she doing? She's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and she just recently, I guess you would say retired from BDO. So she was, uh, one of three directors in the the country for the marketing group. Oh wow! And uh, she she would kind of be what I would translate loosely in terms of helping with special projects or turnaround aspects from that marketing perspective. And she uh, d- decided that um, after lots of thought and what have you, it was time to to, to retire. And focus on family, um, and family meaning not just the four of us, but as well my folks, her folks, her aunts. So look, kind of, and they're in relatively good shape. Uh, like nobody's in, in horrible shape. But um, as we get older, I mean, even as I get older, I mean, I notice the difference between uh, today and five years ago, for example. Yeah. Um, but so she's she's helping do that, and she's obviously uh, instrumental in our actual real estate uh, por- portfolio. She ma- she manages the portfolio at the end of the day, um, and, and believe it or not, she manages the bookkeeping to that. Um, I, I get the final say, and we'll take care of the final returns and adjustments and things of that nature. But uh, she probably does ninety seven percent of the work to it. Um, I get all the credit, of course, or try to, but uh, nobody believes me anyway. So she's probably safe. Yep. And uh, but yeah, but yeah, and and then she had um, a few years ago a health scare with uh, cancer, and um, that plays a role in everybody's mind. And obviously, we're not the only family that's gone through that by any means, but it, it helps uh, reprioritize. Yeah. And, and, you know, t- tell her I said hello, first and foremost. Um, sure. I've, uh, every time I've had a conversation with Robin, uh, it's just like, I walk away and I, I feel like a much better person after I've talked to her. Like if you, if you open up the dictionary and you look at wonderful person in the dictionary, there's a picture right. of your wife in there. Like, thank you. Like there's I an agree. old, there's an old saying from Saskatchewan is use good people. She's like, she's amazing. Uh, just, mm-hmm. just an amazing person. Um, 
thank you for sharing that uh, about you, what your your wife uh, going through cancer. How did that? How did that impact? I would imagine that was a fairly a one eighty turn on a lot of things that were going on in a direction that was going on, or was it just kind of a you know it, it's it's one of those bombs that dro- get dropped and that you never ever prepare for, but it's life. How did that it, impact it, it, you guys? You know, parts of it are probably blocked out, and um, yeah, obviously there was the bomb that went off, no question, uh, and dealing with that and okay, how bad is this and things that are racing in your mind. And unfortunately, um, until there's positive information, it seems we're very capable of dreaming of all the negative scenarios, despite the fact that may not be statistically the more likely. But um, we, we try to be proactive about it in the sense of there, there was a couple really good websites I was able to identify in the sense of for the spouse, for example, what should the spouse be doing? What are, what are some tips? I, I had no idea. I mean, yes, I've had family members go through. We, we all know people that have gone through it. But it was different because it was me. <laughs> it was my wife. <laughs> um, and, and so trying to find ways of coping with that, no question that that was different. Work schedule obviously completely changed. Uh, focus on health changed. And... Um, there were good parts about it in the sense of becoming close, seeing some friends, the strong support we received from quite a number of people, the way they supported also made me feel guilty. I didn't realize how helpful that would have been to somebody else. So I try not now to miss that opportunity as well to return the favors and to be able to sit down with whomever it is that's looking for some some advice from that perspective uh, on the, the the real estate side I, I don't know that it had an immediate impact it because the nice thing was our real estate portfolio was it was starting to serve as an anchor for us in terms of strength it, it was there for a reason um wasn't quite the reason we were perhaps initially thinking but having financial strength that was very helpful. Having systems in place, having property managers, this, that, and the other thing, it really, really helped. Uh, so we quickly were able to confirm or deny how strong our systems were. Um, clearly, you quickly define, in my mind, how strong relationships are. Uh, there's a lot of families that don't survive something of that nature. Um, it's too traumatic. And um, we had, I, I don't know if it's, maybe it's simple to say, but, uh, and I'd seen some statistics or information about the number of separations that happened because of this type of thing and blah, 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 blah. So, nope, not here. Yep. That's somebody else. Um, we were determined. We, we had no idea what the good Lord had in store for us, of course, but we were definitely on the fighting side of this. We were not going to accept um, whatever somebody may tell us is likely to happen or this, that, or the other thing. It's, nope, this is going to work out. Um, not that we didn't have our moments, but um, the real estate there was strength. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And and yeah, I 100% agree. You know, the challenges of health and finances and all kind of everything in between 
either, you know, it tests, it tests relationships. Either you get stronger and you galvanize and you grow together even stronger than ever, or it can cause um, splinters and fractions and it can separate people all at the same time. It, uh, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Is, is Robin, is everything okay? Everything in remission so far? And it, it, Everything is. I, I mean, pro- probably similar to everyone that goes through that. She um, has mixed feelings in terms of going to get the next report, the next test to say, oh my goodness, is it coming back type of thing? But um, yeah, yes, everything uh, so far, the good Lord has been very, very kind to us that way. We, we've... Um, I don't. I don't think anybody ever moves on from it, but we're, we're at a very different stage, right? And and you hit the nail on the head there as well of a lot of the things that you positioned yourself in with your investments and your business practice and doing of the work. You know, you never prepare for any of this kind of stuff until it comes. You never prepared, but thank goodness you had that to rely upon to help, yes. um, so, not soften, help you in to get through it. It was one thing we didn't have to worry about. Yeah. I mean, there's parts we obviously did. I'm not trying to pretend otherwise, yeah. but um, they were more manageable. Yeah. And Robin was a key integral part of the team, uh, the operation team within your, she, uh, she ran the entire office, didn't she? Uh, unquestionably. Yeah. So it's like, you know, your main, one of your main team members, you know, this is the right decision. She needs to take a step back and she needs to do yes. there. And it, you know, just not only that, it's just your spouse and seeing your spouse go something through like that would be just absolutely devastating. And, and, and you're so, pow- excuse me, you're so powerless. It, it just, um, wow, I, I, I'm i supposed to be able to do this, that, and the other thing uh, for, for for my family. And then, I, I mean, I you do what you can, but you really do realize uh, you're in the passenger seat. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, and it sounds like you've become stronger in your faith as well. At the same time, uh, I I, 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 I don't think we've ever had a conversation about faith before. Were you were you fairly strong in your faith before this, or did it change yes. that relationship? Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I certainly don't know. Actually, I, I don't know that it changed during it. I, I won't say that it didn't. Yep. Uh, a, a lot of the help we received was uh, families from our church. And, um, maybe I probably don't shy away as much from, I don't, I don't want to use the term advertise it, but, um, I don't hide it. Good. Good for you. And it's, you know, sometimes in interesting times that we're in a little bit of divisiveness right now, you know, in some cases we need maybe a little more faith, whether, whether your faith is Jesus or Muhammad, whatever that or is, whatever your faith is, like we just sometimes we need a little more faith in our life, right? Mm-hmm. That can never be a bad thing to have more faith in I, your I life. I don't think so, right? <laughs> um, okay, so wow, I'm sitting there going, how do I pivot out of a conversation like? So first and foremost, thank you for sharing that with me, You're and welcome. and um, I know that's deeply personal, and and I like to tell a little bit of the story behind the story, and that that impacts people's story. And I'm sitting there going, now, how do we start talking about taxes and right. <laughs> accounting now? But, but, but it does evolve yeah. into that in terms yeah. of it, it starts people in terms of what happens, what, what's that legacy we want to be leaving? Um, how much time do I have to leave that? I, I don't want to wait 
years and years and years before I get started on this. I, I want to start back, back to your comment earlier. It's a whole lot nicer to start in our 20s. Um, no, I didn't start quite that early. I, like you, I started in my 30s. And not that that was bad. It just wasn't as good as if I would have started earlier. Yeah. And, and so being able to address some of those things and, and know, wait, yeah, what is my plan? Um, how are others involved? What's important to me? Is what I do right now, is is it really that important? Yeah. Um, and if it's not, okay, do I need it temporarily? How long do I need it? We're here for a short time. Yeah. Let's get our, as big of a bang for a buck as we possibly can. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And in today's episode, I would like to share with you some of the challenges and in some cases, pain some clients are experiencing right now due to the fast pace of rate increases, tougher mortgage qualifications, and softening valuations. Most importantly, I would like to share with you solutions. Here are some of the things myself and my team are currently observing. Today, we will talk about the erosion of cash flow on properties with adjustable rate mortgages, especially on properties where cash flow was thin to start with. I am not going to say, hey, let's get over the rate increases. We are still in a low rate environment. And I am not going to say that real estate goes through cycles. Inflation is high and we should all have predicted increases at this pace. What I will say is that these challenges are real. The pains are there for some clients. And Stephen Hawking says intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. So let's talk about how we can adapt and what are some of the solutions that are available to you if you are experiencing cash flow pressures. Number one, restructuring your mortgage to reduce your monthly payment. You will say, Dahlia, how is it possible that I can get a lower monthly payment if the rates have gone up? Well, let me explain. It's not all about the rates. Let's say that you have an adjustable rate mortgage at 500,000 at prime minus 50 at a 30-year amortization. As it currently stands, your monthly payment would be at around $2,653. If you convert this mortgage to a home equity line of credit at prime plus half, which would be at 5.95 right now, the monthly payment would be $2,479. That is $179 less. If you take this route, you won't be paying down the principal and the mortgage every month, but you have the option to top up the payment if you want. And you can also convert this line of credit back to a mortgage and pay down principal at some point down the road when your situation is better, where when your rents are up or when you have additional income that can support a higher payment. 
The same idea is achievable by switching the mortgage to a lender that offers a 40-year amortization. And yes, they do exist. There are lenders that offer a 40-year amortization, but they will charge higher interest rates. And as a result of the extended amortization, your monthly payment will still, still be less. Now, I do not suggest these strategies unless there are no other solutions to dealing with the cash flow pressures because while your payment every month is lower your cost of borrowing is going to be higher as a result of taking on a higher interest rate or an extended amortization having said that we can always revisit where you are with your budget your your finances at some point down the road and help you restructure again. But at least for now, it will help you ride the wave. Another solution to consider is to clear capacity somewhere else in your balance sheet uh, where we can absorb the increase in monthly mortgage payments. So let's say you have an RSP or a car loan that is costing you every month out of your own pocket $1,200. And let's say you have multiple rentals and some of them are in a negative cash flow position right now and they're costing you $600 a month to carry. If you can find solutions through adding rental income to the property to uh, help the numbers, great. But if you can't and you want to keep this property, what we can do is we can extract equity from any property okay to pay off the car loan or the rsp loan or both or some other expensive debt on your balance sheet so that your monthly payments on these loans are reduced dramatically from the twelve hundred dollars per month to something much smaller and this will ease up some of that cash flow pressure on your rental portfolio if you are experiencing pressure on your cash flow right now and you would like to explore options to ease up that pressure, reach out to myself and my team at info at streetwisemortgages.com and we would be happy to guide you and help you ride this way. I will leave you with this quote from Max McCowan, which says, all failure is failure to adapt. All success is successful adaptation. Myself and my team are here to help you adapt to this new environment that you're in and help you prosper. Now, I'm going to try to, and I'm just formulating the question in my mind right now, and I'm going to try to ask a good question. And it might be one of those questions like any accountant will say, well, it depends, obviously, right? I like but, that answer. Yeah, that's that's typically the first response. They train that, don't they? It's, it's like somebody asks you a question, much. well, it depends, right? Um, okay, so by and large, on a, on a, and I'm going to frame it as a question, better question. On a scale from, say, zero to 10, with zero being nobody and 10 being 100%, okay? Uh, people that come to talk to you... What in and and is either early in their journey or part of their journey on a scale from zero to ten, where are people most in there for their their kind of their legacy planning when they come talk to you originally? That's a night I don't know if I've been asked that before. Um, I think the 
they're probably somewhere in the in, in terms of their knowledge and where they're at in the process, kind of at a three-ish. Three-ish, okay. Best. Yep. Um, the number of people that are actually doing that has increased significantly the last five, seven years, I think. Um, so I would imagine a lot of people have a, an awareness that they need one. Like that's probably really high, like nine out of 10 aware they need something. I, I, more. I, I don't know if it's quite that high yep, yet, yep. Russell, unfortunately, mm, okay. but more and more people are gun shy maybe if, uh, to, uh, to say, wait a minute, I was helping with my parents' estate, for example, or my aunts or whomever it may be. And it was an unpleasant experience beyond the normal tragic component, mm -hmm. obvious to that. Uh, but, but just dealing with everything was challenging. And if they had a business or an investment portfolio of some size, it presents more challenges. And they didn't want to uh, – frequently I'll hear the expression, I don't want to leave a mess. <laughs> or the Sorry, next generation. I, that was an out loud laugh on my part because I'm. I, I you you must have been listening to my wife in a conversation we just recently oh. had. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and that varies because I had uh, one of my clients. He, he's been terminally diagnosed uh, with, with cancer. Uh, been working with him now. I, th I think three years or so, and he's getting close to the end of his runway, and. But, but he's been, when we first met, actually, he had no, it was strictly business. There wasn't this diagnosis out there. And um, he dealt with it very quickly, and in my opinion, mentally, to say, okay, he's going to fight it to the degree he can, but likely this is not going to be a happy conclusion. And what should we be doing to... To, to make this easier for everybody and to ensure success for uh, my kids and grandkids in his case. And, and, and so he, he dealt with it, I thought, in a, what I would call a very heroic manner. Uh, it didn't shy away from the discussion points, decisions, uh, brought in his uh, adult children to these discussions. And most of his grandkids are kind of... Um, probably in their teenage or early 20s type of thing. So he, he's an older gentleman. Um, I don't know when he would have himself otherwise chose to uh, deal with some of the, the estate legacy type of planning. So I, I have clients where they come in and they're one I had a little bit ago. Um, they were in their 80s before this was something important to them. Others, and I'm seeing a lot more of this, which I think is positive, are in their 30s and 40s and concerned not just about their own, but their parents, for example. Right. Um, or, or, or other loved ones. And trying to make this easier. Because I, I like to use the kind of a, a real rough calculation with people to say, generally speaking, when the second of the spouses passes away, 25% of your estate goes to Revenue Canada. That's a big number. And there are different opportunities available to save or defer that tax. Isn't 25% of your future net worth something we should talk about? That could be, in some case, that could be a huge number. It's right? a big number, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't take 
much for somebody to mentally do that calculation to say, okay, what am I worth today? What do I think I'm going to be worth when I do go? Right. And um, now we're kind of in a, a, a part of a process of saying, is it worth a little bit of money to plan and set up a structure that's appropriate to deal with that and save or defer that 25-ish percent or, or not. And most people, the answer is obvious. And even for those that have no children, have no nieces or nephews, well, there's a church or cancer society or whatever it is that's important to you. Um, I, I've got clients that have donated or will be donating uh, virtually their entire portfolio to a particular cause that's important to them. Wonderful. Let's make sure that happens properly. And by the way, do we really want to wait till we're gone or do we want to see and get some joy out of that, giving some of that away while we're alive and we can do something and heaven forbid we have the opportunity to mentor and play around with it and enjoy it. Yeah. Wow, we're really we're really covering all the light and fluffy topics here today, aren't oh, we? Oh yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> you, you, it, it's and but it's this is an important conversation to have. Um, I, I maybe a motto needs to be is gang. It's it's never too early to start this process, and it's never too late to start the process too. You just need to start. You need to start, but and and I acknowledge it seems like a dark topic, but. There's a lot of light there too, Russell, in the sense of with my client that's um, been terminally diagnosed, now talk with his children in terms of the assistance he's giving to them now for, for their business and investing opportunities and, and the different charities that he's supporting now and pre-giving to. Um, there's a lot of positives there that he's getting the most out of. He's not waiting to die in the sense of, okay, let's just get this over with type of thing. No, I want to live more because I want to do more. He's got things to do. Right. Um, he, he's getting all he can out of life because he's addressing these issues. And, and he's seeing how the success is there or, or more, he's tipping the scales of success for the next generation, the generation thereafter. And I think that's what more and more people can see is the positive parts to it. I mean, I, I get that initially it seems dark and dingy, but there's a lot of light there, a lot of light. Yeah. And I would imagine a good part of the, what your practice does and what you help people do a lot of is that whole legacy side of things. Like, absolutely. Um, I, and I could be wrong in how, when, when somebody ever asked me kind of accounting and bookkeeping and tax and all that kind of stuff, I look at it as, and, and, and fill in gaps if I'm missing something here. I look at it as almost like three functions. Number one, there's kind of like the day-to-day -day accounting, bookkeeping, debits and credits, the day-to-day, -day, right? Then there's number two, there's... Um, the reporting, you have key stakeholders sure. to report to, family, spouse, CRA, partners, you have reporting. And then there's another level that a lot of people don't get to, is, and that's um, the planning, the legacy planning, the optimization. A lot of people just think tax accounting, they just think kind of it's just the bookkeeping. But there literally is three levels in my world. And it's great to have somebody that knows all that, but typically that could be two or three people, different people on your team. I can't. I mean, that's one of the blessings I have working with a group of folks. I, for example, am just about the last person somebody's going to call to set up a, a bookkeeping system. Right. Um, 
yes, that's something I used to be very strong in, but that's not what I've spent my time in the last 30-ish years perfecting. Whereas I've got a couple of people in the office that are fantastic at doing that. Um, I, I'm not going to be the king of debits and credits for financial statements. No question about it. I want to be sitting at the table when there's questions out there, there's opportunities out there, there's problems. That's my role. And from that, I, back to your comment, the planning side of things and short, medium, and long-term planning, which frequently is intergenerational. And to me, that's exciting. That, that, that That's great stuff in terms of what you can do in, in, and whether we're calling it legacy or what have you. But but also solving problems. Like, I'm, I know you've had these conversations before with people, Russell, where somebody is struggling to live day to day and they're, they're bleeding in resources. What do I do to get life back on track? And it's, it's not that they were trying to uh, be a real estate tycoon, but they were trying to see if real estate had some avenue of helping them get so that they could take care of a, a retirement, leave a little bit of a a gift down the road to kids or grandkids. So, so there's different scales and it's trying to accept, okay, stop what George would be thinking. What's important to this particular person? Yep. Uh, let's start solving issues. And, and sometimes those issues are, are first dealing with month to month cash flow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm here not to be a bearer of bad news. However, I'm just trying to be real here and keep it real. Um, I believe that's every entrepreneur will go through that journey and that some way, shape or form will have that challenge of not knowing which end is up and not knowing how to make ends meet. And you're at the gas station going, okay, I've got these three credit cards. This one's maxed out. This one's doing a reno. I think I got a little room on this one, <laughs> right? right. It, it's just, it, it's, it, it's just part of the process. Uh, and if you haven't gone through that yet, like I said, if you, if you have aspirations of being an entrepreneur and doing this journey and, you know, if you have big dreams and goals in some way, shape or form, you will have to go through it. And there's no shame. There's no judgment. That's just, it's part of, honestly, it's part of the process. I don't know what the statistics are to this, but I mean, it's not like it's unheard of for very, very wealthy people to have been insolvent at one point in time. Yeah. And not that I'm encouraging that or suggesting that's a great way to start trying the, to work on a strategy, but um, there are ups and downs uh, unquestionably and different ways of dealing with it. But I, I think one of those primary things has to be, okay, I know I need to deal with this. Let's start talking to somebody that can help. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it may not be me. I, I'm not, it may not, it may have nothing to do with accounting, for example, initially. It, it may be more strategic advice with what to do with a particular property that may be hemorrhaging cash for you. And what are some strategies to deal with this? And, um, and other times it's more opportunity where I, I, perhaps somebody's younger or just doesn't have that cash sitting there, but they see this fantastic opportunity that's available. How do I actually implement? And maybe I can't get the whole pie, but I could get a part of the pie and bring in some other people that would also like some. Yep. And, and I'm just here to tell you, gang, as I just know this from personal experience and of people that I've talked to and also within my own person, within myself, um, the worst thing is to do is to potentially try to go alone, not have a conversation Um la, 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 everything is wonderful and, and just gloss over it and ignore it and bury your head. Like those are the worst things. Sometimes you, you, 
you need to shine some light in the darkness uh, because it can get overwhelming. It really can. And and just how do I know that? Yeah, just I, I just know it very personally, to be honest. Sure. Um. So 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 let's let's pivot this conversation because um, I know you probably have these conversations. I have them with people all the time. I want to go down two two avenues. Um. Number one is. I'm going to talk about, you know, in, in many markets across the country right now, um, real estate that goes in cycles. Sometimes it's, I'm a king of the world. Sometimes, oh, I suck. Sometimes I'm the king of the world. I, I'm terrible. Um, we're in that uh, little bit of margins are being compressed. Interest rates have gone up. Cash flow is getting a little bit tighter. We're getting squeezed. Uh, properties, you know, you know, we got some tenants that stopped paying rent. And it's just, it's in that phase where it might be a little bit more challenging right now what advice do you give to somebody they come to you and they're they're really they're looking for some good sage wisdom on to kind of navigate the waters that they're in right now i I don't know that i have universal advice because i think it's unique to different folks Mm -hmm. Uh, what their situations are what they're investing in what they're trying to accomplish where they're at in their life cycle their investment cycle etc but Maybe some of the commonality parts to it is to try to ensure you understand what the situation is. In other words, what, what is your cash flow situation? Um, what what are your budgets show? How how are things leading here? And, and then from a strategic perspective, with the your, your various properties, what's the strategy? Um, should we be holding? Should we be selling? Should we be doing this, that, or adding a unit? There's different things, right, that can be done. Should we be trying to get a higher quality of a tenant? Should we be working with our tenant to, to get them over um, what, maybe a temporary issue? Talking with the financial institutions in terms. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm not oblivious to the fact that they're not handing out money like they used to be, for sure. But it's it's not like we can't have discussions and trying to figure out where we're at with things so that we've got a better handle on what we're going to do. And, and and part of it, too, I think, is it, and not to sound overly simplistic, but we know with the economy and the, the increasing interest rates, there's going to be some people that are really hurt. Um, and there's going to be some people that are very successful. So how, how do we try and... Again, tip that scale so we're on the more successful side of it. And, and I, I think that's looking at some of the historic things that have happened. And cash is cash. I mean, having that reserve and ability to do something, whether you're considering a, a reserve in terms of future acquisitions or just that buffer. When COVID started, for example, the, the first few weeks thinking, I have no idea from a professional standpoint whether I'm going to have a positive or a negative income for a year or two. Um, I have no idea if all the tenants are going to stop paying. I have no idea this, that, and the other thing. So, again, you can kind of let worry get in there. And, and not that we didn't worry, but, um, okay, I can't change all of that necessarily, but I can start addressing things and start trying to put myself in the best position possible but with starting to preserve some cash, for example. Um, but knowing where you're at with, with, with what's going on, I, I think we've, I, I, I guess I would say we, we, we see the doomsayer saying everything's going to collapse and the whole world's going to be a fiasco. Yet somehow we've magically survived year over year over mm-hmm. year. Real estate 
again, not that it doesn't have some ups and downs to it, but it's like most of us are investing in it because we think it's great. Um, not that there's not some issues with it. There's a whole lot of positives too. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so why don't we consider that and let's not panic. Uh, I, I'm not a a big fan of selling off portfolios or things of that nature. Um, where there's some strategic sales, it's a completely different story. I'm more interested in acquisitions as compared to dispositions or uh, repositioning. Uh, maybe again, overly simplistic, but I, I think getting to cash flows, getting to budgets, that offers some planning opportunities where you can sit down and not just talk with an accountant or other real estate investor, but mm-hmm. talk with other, talk with the team. Yeah. No, um, and everybody is completely unique and different. And and some advice that I share people with, and this is some advice I was given to me and some advice I have to share with myself quite a bit is, first and foremost, tell the truth. Like, just be honest with just the situation and be honest with what's going on. And then at the same time, one of the hardest parts is the the beating yourself up and the judgment and the shame. And if something's not going well, you know, sometimes high performers can be very hard on themselves at the same time. And I should know better. I should know right. all this kind of, I, I know all this kind of stuff, but many people, there's different people in different boats. Like for example, I had two conversations last week. One person was saying the cash flow has never been better in their portfolio because interest rates are going up and I mean, because they're, they're in some cases, they're almost free and clear, but rents are going up, like significantly yes. going up. And they're going, geez, uh, we're like uh, cash flow. We've never been more flush on our portfolio. And then in some other cases, some people are going, geez, Russ, we got to, we got to cut, we got to cut bait here. We just, we just got to get rid of some stuff. Like it's, everybody's in a different boat, right? We might be in the same storm or we might be in the same, the same situation, but you can have a different boat. And, and just by some planning and some long-term um, implementation and action, that really is really where it comes to, in my opinion, is a difference between somebody who's kind of short-term transactional, fairly new, got in with an unrealistic expectation versus somebody that's been around the game for 20 plus years and they've just executed a plan for the last 20 years. Yeah, I guess I would echo that and say, certainly I've obviously been dealing with some people that are very nervous uh, from cash flow, interest rates, et cetera, uh, lack of ability to refinance, uh, tenants, depending on the nature of their investments, not particularly on the commercial side, um, not necessarily renewing leases or the same space requirements, et cetera. But okay, let's 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 look at the whole situation, the, the entire cash flow um, analysis. And while it may not be always pretty, maybe we can do a couple small steps. Maybe we have to sell a property or two, for example. And that all of a sudden gives us such a large buffer, perhaps, depending on the situation, that, yeah, okay, we, we can withstand some more time here. Uh, we don't need to panic and get rid of everything. That, that I think, is rarely the right solution. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. And and I know we could literally open up an entire <laughs> Pandora's box and completely going down. I, w- I wanted to go down this conversation path a little bit because it's real life. And I want to be mindful of uh, people are, you know, potentially feeling this. So uh, I had a conversation with a, a fellow the other day and I said I was going to talk with George and I'll bring it up with him. Um, they were talking about that they're, they're feeling that they're falling a little behind. Maybe they're a little behind on their record keeping. Maybe they haven't filed their taxes for a year. Maybe it might even be longer. I didn't quite get to the full extent, but they just, <laughs> they, they felt like they were just falling behind on a lot of things. And I said, I'll maybe ask George what advice he would give. So if somebody's feeling that they're just not keeping up with the record keeping and the, the accounting and the filing and stuff like that, what advice would you give that person first? Make the first step, make the call. And that call, for example, is to, in this case, an accountant. And and quickly, if you're talking with, I think anybody with a, a little bit of skill set there, they're going to be able to reassure you that you're not the first person in the world that's fallen behind. You're not the first person that's gotten a couple of ugly letters from Revenue Canada saying, we're expecting your tax returns. And um, it's it's going to take a little bit of time to fix. It'll take a little bit of dollars to fix. But let's figure out exactly how bad things are, because most people dramatically overestimate how bad they are. Again, I think it's uh, not that I know that I'm not a psychologist in the slightest, but I, I think it's human nature to imagine worst case scenarios. Or, and I'm good at that. Don't get me wrong. But um, particularly when those tax returns haven't been filed, many people are thinking, oh, my goodness, this is just going to be so devastating in terms of a tax bill. At times, they're shocked that it's, it's actually a refund. Um, or at least not as bad as they think. In, in, in most cases, there's a couple that we've dealt with that, yeah, I'm sorry, they, it was bad. Uh, but they knew that and there was reasons for it. Um, the, the, but often, they're, I should say often, a, a, not infrequently, people kind of, they're, they're paralyzed with this fear of dealing with their bookkeeping. They, they may hand us, for example, uh, stacks of envelopes that haven't been opened. Um, and, and paperwork, and I appreciate more and more of it's electronic now, but they're, they're, they're just accumulating and they can't deal with it mentally. Uh, and that's not bad. It, it's, I'm not trying to encourage people to do that. I don't mean it that way, but recognize that you're not alone. Um, yeah. Let somebody help you kind of get some of that organized, start a process, and let's get year one taken care of. Then we can move to year two, et cetera. And it's it's a process. That's all it is. Yeah. But it, that most challenging part, I have on multiple occasions that, that initial conversation with somebody, and you can just see the relief that is now spread so fastly over them, so fast um, that um, now okay, now it's George's problem. It's no longer my problem, or at least I have somebody going to bat with me here. Yep. And, and and again, whether it's George or Billy Bob or Betty Sue, that that part is irrelevant. It's more somebody else is helping to share that load and has the experience to deal with that. Pick up the phone, talk with Revenue Canada. Here's a scenario. Yep, we're going to start putting some information together. Start start a rapport with. Uh, the particular agent and show, okay, these are the steps we're following. 
This is what we're trying to accomplish. Let's work together. There's going to be a couple setbacks that are going to happen. There's going to be some successes that will happen and we'll get through it. Yep. Um, and, and, and But the biggest thing is, it, it may sound simple, but I, I, I swear that just making that initial meeting, phone call, whatever it is. So now somebody is, if, if it's George, for example, saying, okay, I, I want you to send me this, this, and this, and this type of thing. But now George is in charge type of thing. Yep. Um, I, and I, I think that relief is probably something that I'm going to say is unexpected based on some of the expressions I see in people when they chat with me about that, uh, because they, they just come in petrified. Right. And it's, it's so visibly obvious the relief that they feel. Mm. I, I, I won't pretend that it happens all the time, I, I guess, in fairness, but I mean the vast, vast, vast majority of times. Right. Well, I would imagine, um, now I'm not an expert in this, but I, I would imagine that most times it's like, you know, most people are, it's like anything in life. There's either extreme darkness and it's terrible on one side of the spectrum or everybody it's everything's wonderful. Nothing's the problem, but probably the answer is somewhere in between there. I would imagine. I, I, I think so. And, but it's pretty regular for us to have somebody come in that they're five, seven years behind, for example. Um, again, not that I'm trying to tell people they should go That's ahead. Not, this is that. not a how-to, by the way. This is exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it is what it is. Uh, and yeah, some people are then behind a year or two, and and there's various reasons for that. And I'm not going to judge why it was or should be. I'm going to help try and coach so that we don't get there again in the future. But it, it is what it is. It, don't be embarrassed by it. you. Don't. You're not the first person this has ever happened to. Won't be the last. Let's just deal with it. Yep. Nice. So great, great advice. And, and George, like I, I sit there and I block off a, a certain amount of time for these and I always get rocking and rolling. I'm going, geez, I want to double the time. I want to do like a Joe Rogan <laughs> three hour conversation here, but I have to, I have to be very mindful of the yes. time here as well. And, 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 and would you be open to having another in-depth conversation uh, oh, with, on some different topics? Like, like literally we could have talked on structures and UHT and um, all kind of, uh, you know, uh, wonderful things like that. Like, and I'm going to share something here with you as well, George. I was doing some of my preparation here for <laughs> our conversation. Um, your, your website, you, you got a really good looking website. You're doing a, Thank you're doing you. a really good job on the social media side of things as well. And, um, you have to give all the credit to Rob and I, well, yes. <laughs> and then on, on the articles and, and the video work and all that kind of stuff, the very good resource of materials and topics here, gang, if you want to really go dive into, if this is, if this is your jam, which everybody, it should be your jam, by the way, um, George does a wonderful job on his website and, uh, what's for, for people, George, where, where's the best place for people to get a hold of you? So if it's more kind of tax oriented and whatnot, yep. it's uh, gdubedube at bdo.ca. Yeah. And, or you can uh, shoot me a message at the, the georgedubie.com site. Yep. And again, if it's tax accounting oriented, basically what I end up doing is I send it to myself at the BDO address and deal with it there. Um, and so, so I think I gave the wrong address for my personal one. It's georgedubie at georgedubie.com. That's right. Um, but um, the, the uh, 
ultimately all my accounting tax work is done through BDO. I'm a partner with BDO. Um, but um, some of the steps in terms of getting information out to people, it's a lot easier to do on my personal side uh, as compared to the BDO side. How's, how's Peter doing, by the way? Peter's doing excellent. Yep. Uh, he, he's, uh, pr- I, I guess well, it's you gol- It's golf it, season uh, now, right? It should be It should be e- like in the best time it, of the year for you guys. So. It, 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 it should be, but yeah. we're kind of trying to get through our... We just got through our June 15th deadlines. We, we saw our April 30th. We have some June 30th deadlines to, to hit. But um, yeah, so P- Peter and I are looking forward to the summer. Want a little bit of catch up on some golf. And for, for us, it's also the time to get ready for kind of our, I'll, I'll call it uh, business year starts in September in many right. ways after Labor Day. And that's just and, kind of the planning time to lead up to end of year. And this is when... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, for us, it's, it's fun and exciting and we can kind of uh, do that while we're also golfing at times. Nice. Well, I'm... Uh, you guys still have your membership? Which which club was your membership at? At uh, Westmount, yes, West yes, we did. So I, we, uh, I know we I had an enjoy o- it enough. I had an yes, open we... invitation about ten years ago, and I have not yet taken up on that. Yeah, I've, you're, I've, you're certainly what well, we'd love to have you. No, I would be. I would be honored. Um, I think that I think a lot of business can be done on a golf course, and and it's one of those things. If I'm not doing business meetings, I don't have the time to go golfing myself. Oh, exactly. If you if you're not doing a a meeting of that nature with family members or good friends, yeah. um, then it's uh, it's hard to justify the time. And and we need to advocate about changing that that tax code on golf. Like like they they do, is it only fifty percent they allow, or do they not even allow any of it? it it's zero with golf yeah. uh, dues and memberships. That is the most bizarre thing having. possible. Like the amount of business that can be done on a golf course and and things like that. Now, I know I'm first world problems and there's so many other bigger things to do, but I, I'm shocked that that's not part of the part of the, the now, code. In, in fairness, even though it's not deductible, there's a couple of things we can do from a tax perspective to make it much more affordable. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's not ideal, but as you said, it's a first world problem. Yeah, I agree. I, there's there's other bigger uh, topics for us to have a conversation over that. And and to yes. put it honest, if if I'm griping over that, you know, things life is be, pretty good. Life's pretty good. <laughs> if that's you, if that's your only gripe when it comes to tax, then then I'm just I just find I find it kind of ironic in some respects. And that's honest to goodness, the tax when you get into the whole tax code, it just don't ever approach it sometimes with common sense because because right. you'll just drive yourself bananas like you will and that maybe could be Not our sure. next conversation my friend <laughs> <laughs> um one of the questions i always like to leave with at the end of a conversation here and but and and i'm gonna ask you this in a second before but i'm gonna share something with you here i so if somebody's feeling a little bit stuck, like just stuck, not sure next steps, that's the last question I'm going to leave you with. But before I do, um, I just wanted to acknowledge, um, acknowledge you, acknowledge your team. You've always been extremely helpful. Like anytime uh, you've never, ever shied away, you've never put on the clock type of a thing and you've never said well I'm not on retainer or, or or treated it like a transaction it's always been real estate and you've always been very helpful to just pay forward to people that need some answers onto something fairly complex and I just wanted to just acknowledge that for you thank you yeah and then so then the last question is if somebody is feeling a little bit stuck out there right now in the marketplace or just not sure what some next steps and I multiple different contexts we can go down. 
Mm-hmm. What advice would you give somebody that just to help them get a little unstuck, my friend? It, it, to me, it's talking with people. And again, whether it, it's more on the that tax accounting side, great. Talk to someone such as myself. Um, talk to people that are in there doing that. Why, we, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, why keep making the same mistakes? Why not learn from all the mistakes I've made? And I've been far from perfect. You've been far from perfect. We've all been far from perfect. Um, but we learned a lot from it, hopefully. And um, would like to pass that knowledge along to help unstuck someone, if you will. Because uh, often, I, I think we, we get the tunnel vision to say, I, I've got to do this or that, whatever it may be. And somebody taking a fresh look at that is going to have a completely different perspective. Nice. And, and it, 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 who knows who that person is? Depends on the nature of the questions, too. And sometimes, quite frankly, I wonder if it's not an advantage to ask somebody that absolutely has zero knowledge of the real estate industry, for example, if it's a real estate question. Just what, what's your perspective? The, the, the marketing you're commenting on, for example. I had somebody that had zero understanding of the real estate industry working with us on the marketing side. Uh, and, and Robin was directing, no question. But in terms of some of the, the subcontract points to that, we didn't necessarily want to do what everybody else does on the, the real estate side. Yep. Good for you. And, and, you know, I've been, sorry, George, I've been sleeping at the switch here. It's like, you've been bringing the fire all, all <laughs> along and, you know, just dropping one bomb after another here. It's like, I've been, I've been so engaged in just uh, the conversation at, I, I keep, I'm fit forgetting to push all these little buttons here and stuff like that. So, so George, you're, you're, you're a scholar and a gentleman and you Thank always you. show up and you always deliver. And, um, I, I've, I've always loved our conversations and, and shame on, us Both a, for, for it, it, waiting yeah, as long just, as we, it was, for waiting as long as we have. There was two sides. <laughs> yeah, shame on us. Um, it takes two to tango in this thing. But yes. but I I will be reaching out to you again, and I'm pretty sure people that will be listening to this episode and watching it on the YouTube by all means leave a comment. Uh, please do if this resonated with you. If you need that help and support, I highly encourage you to reach out to George and his team um, on his his personal website there's a big giant button on there book a consultation um and you can definitely get some time in the calendar and and just have a conversation with somebody who knows what he's talking about thank you it's it's been fantastic russell yeah it's been fantastic yeah until the next one i look forward to it very much okay gang have a great day everybody. everybody bye for now All right. So what did you think of today's episode? Did it give you some food for thought? Did it give you maybe one of those little, um, maybe like it gave me at the time, a little, one of those little pits in the stomach about holy macaroni. There are some unaddressed things that I just need to deal with. Um, If there's something that has been unaddressed issue or an unaddressed something that you've been maybe ignoring, something that needs to have some attention, something that um, you need to lean into. Maybe this episode was that first awareness step that you need to lean into something that might be uncomfortable and then just do the work. Now, I'm not going to go into and rehash all the information I provided at the beginning of this episode, but truly during those tough times, during those challenges, during those problems, during those things of uncomfortable, that is where you have your true biggest win that's waiting for you. When you can discover 
how powerful you are. When you can discover resources that you never knew you had at your uh, availability, when you can discover all that you are destined to accomplish, that is the benefit of a problem, a challenge, an uncomfortable situation. It's not the situation. It's how you respond to it and more importantly, how you grow from it. Okay, gang, with all that being said, remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. <laughs>